the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, based on the way that the apostles structured the local churches back then, with a plurality of men to lead, understand this, that we have no right to change that structure today by establishing churches led by single, strong, charismatic-type individuals. We have no right to do that. God didn't design His church to be led by a pope, a bishop, or a senior pastor with total authority. I hope you are excited about tuning in to Verse by Verse Radio today. This series on the church has been making us do a lot of thinking and asking ourselves a lot of questions. For instance, how did so many people get so far away from the New Testament model for our churches? I know some of you are probably still asking, does it really make that much of a difference who is leading and how they are doing it? God seems to think so. Who are we to change what he established? The church is precious to God, and he wants it to function a certain way. That is why he gave us a pattern to follow. As you listen to these messages, I think you will start to see the beautiful plan God has for the church. If you have missed any of the previous messages in this series, you may want to go back and listen to them again. It's easy to do that at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can download the message and listen to it when you want to. Or you can listen to any of the hundreds of messages right there online. Give it a try. Anybody can do it. If you have been enjoying this series on the church, you can order the CDs so you can listen to them again, or share them with a friend, maybe even play them in the car. Our Bible teacher, Steve Kreloff, is pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Here's Pastor Steve with today's message entitled, How Elders Are to Be Chosen. Now you may wonder... If church leaders in the days of the apostles were called elders, then what's the difference, if any, between elders and pastors? Well, according to the New Testament, there is no difference. There is no difference because elders are pastors and pastors are elders. There's no such thing as a pastor and then you have a group of elders who are just a committee that meet in a room. All elders are pastors. All pastors are elders. And I want to show you this from Scripture. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 17. Now, notice this. From Miletus, he, that is Paul, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. So Paul's in a place called Miletus. He sends word to the church at Ephesus to send over your elders, I want to talk to them. And he wants to talk to them about his farewell. This is his last address to them. And he's going to charge them to carry on their ministry based on the pattern that they saw in him. So this is Paul's farewell address. Now, we don't need to get into all, at this point, all that Paul said to them about uh, him leaving and them uh, carrying on his this type of ministry. But what I want you to see is, as Paul gave them instruction... In the process of doing this, Paul reveals to them 
that there are two other names associated with them as leaders. Notice verse 28. We've already established in verse 17 who they are. They are the elders of the church. But notice what he says in verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So he says to them, your elders, he calls them elders, but your overseers. The Holy Spirit has made these men responsible for the oversight or looking over the affairs of the church. So they're called overseers. But that's not all. Paul goes on to remind these elders and overseers that they have been called to do something else. We read on in verse 28, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to. Here's what you're to do. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. They are to shepherd. You could translate it pastor. It's exactly the same word. And by the way, overseer, you could also translate bishop. It's just a matter of translation. He says you are to shepherd or pastor the people of God, those for whom Christ died and purchased with his own blood. Titus 1 verse 5, when Paul says to him, you are to appoint elders in every church. In verse 7, he says, for the overseer must be. So he's using those terms interchangeably. An elder, in Paul's mind, is an overseer, not two separate offices in the church. And then Peter does the same thing. In First Peter 5, he uses all three words, elder, overseer, and shepherd, to refer to the same office. Notice this, First Peter chapter 5. And verses 1 and 2. He writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. He calls them elders who have oversight, they're overseers, and they're to shepherd the church of God. So here's another question related to this. Why does the Bible use all three names to refer to the same leader in the church? And the answer is simply this. Each of these titles tells us something else about this man, about this leader. The term elder speaks, note this, not of his physical age as of an older man, but of his spiritual maturity. A man who leads in the church must have godly, spiritually matured character to be an elder. Just because he is older in age doesn't mean he's spiritually mature. You look at Paul, who handpicked Timothy to lead the church. Timothy was a young man. In fact, Paul said, don't let anyone look down upon your youthfulness. Titus also was a young man. So elder speaks of his spiritual maturity. The term overseer, as we said, indicates the function of the leader and that he oversees the church along with the other leaders in the church. He has the responsibility of overseeing the church. It's as if he climbed a ladder and he's looking over the affairs of the church. That's the visual term pastor or shepherd emphasizes the church leader's heart. 
of caring for the sheep. Like a literal shepherd over literal sheep, a pastor's role is to feed and care for the flock by patiently feeding and instructing them in the truths of Scripture. Now, based on the way that the apostles structured the local churches back then, with a plurality of men to lead, understand this, that we have no right to change that structure today by establishing churches led by single, strong, charismatic-type individuals. We have no right to do that. God didn't design his church to be led by a pope, a bishop, or a senior pastor with total authority. He designed each local assembly to be ruled by a group of spiritually qualified men who are, note this, equal in authority and have shared leadership responsibilities in shepherding the congregation. Now, I want you to understand something that is important about this concept of equality of authority between elders. I want to balance it because this doesn't mean equality of authority doesn't mean that each elder will have the exact equal impact or the exact same influence upon a congregation. The Bible does indicate that some elders will always have a higher profile and a greater impact on their churches than other elders, even though they have a shared and equal leadership role in terms of authority. And there are two specific verses that I would call your attention to that seem to indicate this. One is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, in this verse, Paul is telling us that Christ has given to his church certain gifted men. They're his gifts to the church for leadership. Some some do not exist today. Some do exist. Some types of offices don't exist. Some do exist. Verse 11, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. Apostles and prophets have died off in the first century. These are the men who spoke in an inspired way. What they spoke, what they wrote was revelation. They don't exist anymore. However, he goes on to say, and some as evangelists. Evangelists in this context are probably what we would call church planters. They came into an area, they led some people to Christ, they planted a local church. I don't think he's thinking in a crusade type atmosphere. So think of church planters, evangelists. But notice, he says, and some as pastors and teachers. Now, the way this is constructed in the original language indicates that these two words should go together. So that the thought is that this man, unlike the other elders, is noted to be a pastor teacher. In other words, as an elder, his primary area of ministry, not necessarily his only, but his primary area of ministry is to focus on pastoring by Teaching. Now, what what does Paul exactly mean by this? Well, he seems to explain what he says in Ephesians 4 later in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Notice what he says in verse 17. He writes, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now here the apostle seems to be writing about those elders who are pastor teachers in their local churches. And he makes a distinction 
between all elders and those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, all elders are to have some kind of teaching ministry because later we'll see in the qualifications for being an elder, one of the qualifications is that a man must be able to teach. Has to have some teaching role. Doesn't have to be in the pulpit. Could be in anything, any area in the church. But he has to be able to teach at some level. But here Paul makes a distinction between all elders who would teach at some level and those who work hard, who major in the area of preaching and teaching. Which we would assume he means by this that those who are pastor teachers, they're the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. What Paul has to say in this regard is this. While all elders are involved in some teaching in their churches, there are certain elders, the pastor teachers, who by virtue of their unique giftedness and calling to ministry as a vocation, are to give themselves over to the work of preaching and teaching God's word. And because these men spend so much time studying and preparing and teaching the word, they ought to be honored for their work by the churches that benefit from their ministry by being paid. I think the thought is they're giving so much time to ministering to you the word, they don't have time to get all these outside jobs to support their family so you support them. So we would affirm that the Bible teaches that while all elders have equal authority in the church, and listen, you never read of one elder over the other elders, never. So they all have equal authority in the church, but also that no one elder, as we said, had more authority than the other elder. The reality is, and the biblical balance of this is that some church leaders, especially those who are pastor teachers, have more influence and a higher profile in their churches than others. One Bible teacher explained the role of certain men who are, as he put it, leaders among leaders by illustrating the way the twelve apostles operated. Listen to what he had to say. He wrote, the twelve disciples, he means by that the apostles, are a good example of how diversity functions in a unified system. The disciples were all equal in terms of their office and privileges. With the exception of Judas, they all will reign on equal thrones all to be equally respected and honored. And yet, within the twelve, there was a tremendous amount of diversity. But while none of them was less than the others in terms of office or spiritual qualification, some of them stood out over the others as leaders among leaders. And I think perhaps the best way to illustrate this, or to demonstrate it, is to say, look at the Apostle Peter's life. Peter is often seen in the position of being the spokesman for the apostles, the leader, if you will, amongst the apostles, and yet he didn't have any more authority than them. He wasn't given more apostolic clout than anybody else. It is true that that it was his preaching and his leadership that often set the pace in the book of Acts in the early days of the church, as, as God used him to open the door of ministry to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. But he wasn't over the apostles. He wasn't the Pope. He wasn't over them at all. So the New Testament is very clear that Christ has designed local assemblies to be shepherded by him through a plurality of men who function with equal authority, yet 
with distinct leadership roles. I think that's the biblical balance without relinquishing this thought of equality. However, although the New Testament speaks of a number of men leading the church, as I said before, though it never specifies a specific number, just plurality, it is very specific, though, on the kind of man that God wants leading his church. See, the Bible teaches that only those men who are spiritually qualified should be elders. So this brings us now to a second question concerning leadership in the church. The first one is this. Who leads the church? Answer, Christ. Christ leads the church through a plurality of elders. Question number two then. What are the qualifications to be an elder in the church? Now, once again, I remind you how important this issue is, because as we've already noted, those who lead the church end up having a direct bearing upon the character of the congregation. We go back to what Jesus said in Luke 640. Once a student is fully trained, he'll end up being like his teacher. So in light of, of God's will being that every Christian should be growing in the direction of Christ-like character, we know that that's what Romans 8, 28 and 29 teaches, that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. That's God's ultimate destiny for us. In light of that, the New Testament lays out about 20 specific areas of life that a man must be exemplary in if he's to be qualified to lead Christ's church. Now, before looking at this list of 20 qualifications, there are two issues I want to address that are related to elders and their leadership qualifications. Issue number one is this. It has to do with the way that elders are chosen. How are we supposed to choose elders? How do we recognize who elders are? Well, when Paul addressed the elders of the church, In Ephesus, he told them that God was the one who had appointed them to serve as leaders in the church. I remind you, Acts 20, verse 28, Paul told the elders that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit was the one who identified these men, who selected these men, who made these men overseers. But the practical question is this, how does the Holy Spirit do this? I mean, we, we believe he does this today, but how does he do this? In other words, what's the process by which the Holy Spirit identifies those who should be elders in the church? Does he, it boils down to this, does he use other elders to make the choice of new elders, or does he use the congregation to select men to lead them? That's really the question. What's the answer? Well, based on what we read in the New Testament, There was a pattern of how elders were chosen in the days of the apostles. And the pattern is that those who presently led their congregations had the responsibility of choosing other leaders to serve along with them. In other words, those who were in the position of leading the church, one of their responsibilities in leadership was to identify other leaders to come alongside with them and serve the church. For example, Paul, as an apostle, he initially selected the leadership of the church. We we just spoke of that. In Acts 14, he and Barnabas appointed elders to serve in the churches. When he wasn't around, he put his representatives in charge. Titus at Crete, Timothy at Ephesus. They were apostolic representatives, and it was their decision 
as to who would serve as leaders. However, in 1 Timothy 4.4, Paul speaks of all the elders laying their hands upon Timothy. Who are all the elders? All the elders of Timothy's home church. They all laid their hands upon Timothy in recognition that he had been called to be a leader in the church. So the biblical principle then for selecting new elders is that those who are already in leadership in the church are responsible for identifying and selecting new elders. Now, the way we do things at Lakeside is that the present elders, and this is how we apply this truth, the present elders identify men who we believe are spiritually qualified. And not only is there godliness in their lives, but we also look and see that they are functioning as elders. They may not have the title of elders, but they're functioning. People are responding to them as leaders. And we simply come along and we recognize this. We speak to them about whether or not they're interested in serving as an elder. A man may be very godly, but not be interested in serving as an elder. That's okay. But if he says yes, then there is a rather lengthy process by which this man is examined as to his spiritual fitness to serve as an elder. Questions are asked, meetings are conducted, and that goes on. Now, we also want to be sensitive to you as a congregation, so we bring the names of these men before you as a congregation in order for you to affirm these men as the duly appointed, recognized leaders over you. So that's the first issue. How does the Holy Spirit do this? He does it through the present leadership. Second issue that I want to bring to your attention that's related to the selection of elders is this, that in the early church, all the elders, including the pastor teachers, came from within the congregation. We often forget that. We get caught up in our American way of life. But that's not the way. The way we do things in the United States, usually in churches and selecting uh, leaders, not the way it was done in the early days of the church. Listen, in the first century, there were no Bible colleges. There were no seminary graduates applying for positions of leadership in the church. All the elders, and I mean all of them, came from within the ranks of the people of the church. They didn't say at Ephesus, who do you have at Colossae to send over here? They didn't do that. It, they all came from within the church. Therefore, what that meant was that the congregation had the opportunity to carefully observe the lives of its men in order to make an accurate evaluation of whether or not they were qualified for ministry. They knew these men. They saw these men. They saw how they operated their businesses, how they operated their families. They saw how they, how they taught. They understood them. They observed them through all various aspects of life. See, it is the sad story of many churches today, here in our country, who choose a man to be their pastor based pretty much on hearing him preach once or twice on a Sunday and evaluating him for the most part based on his preaching ability, only to discover later that he was really lacking in godliness. And that's one of the reasons why pastors seldom end up in churches for long-term ministries. They just wear out their welcome once people get to know them. It's just, it's a bad system that you bring in the hired gun to lead the church. So the way to avoid this heartache of selecting the wrong kind of men to lead the church is for all of us all of us, to be aware of what the Bible says are the qualities 
to look for in a man's life if he's to be considered for eldership in the church of God. It would be better if all our leaders, whether they are in business, government, and of course the church, were godly spiritual leaders. There are a lot of well-meaning people who are trying hard to do their best, but they don't fit God's qualifications to lead His church. This gives us a lot to think and pray about. There's more to come in the next few messages from Pastor Steve, so you're going to want to keep listening to this series on the church. Our website address where you can get the podcasts and all the message downloads you want is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. If you have any questions about what you have heard or if you just need some help, give us a call at 727-239-0306. We'd love to be able to show you how you can have a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It costs money to put this program on the air. We depend upon the financial gifts of our listeners and friends to keep the broadcast going and even to expand them as God allows. You can give online or over the phone or by regular mail. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's all the time we have for today. This is Jerry Pruden for all the staff. We are trusting that you will grow in grace as we study the scriptures verse by verse. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.